Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When Tom reached out to Robert last night, you know, Tom stated his case. And, you know, Robert said that it was clear that Tom had been thinking about this for a while. So, and it became clear that he wasn't going to change his mind. So what actually was said in that conversation, probably, a, you know, a pretty passionate, you know, plea by Tom that, that hey, I, it's time to move my family on. And, and Robert said, you know, look, when you love someone as much as I love Tom uh, and they want to do something, you have Jim McBride, Westwood One Sports on Tom Brady's final conversation with Robert Kraft, where he told him that he would be leaving the New England Patriots. He did that last night. It's reported in the last 20 minutes or so, even less than that actually, that Brady is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's going to sign a contract that will be for roughly $30 million a year. And interestingly enough, Anthony Beck just tweeted out that the current Buccaneers website to buy season tickets, there are 972 people waiting online to buy Buccaneers season tickets. So people are lining up and... Started to get into this a little bit in the first segment. Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney, 803-0550 is the phone number. I'm now got, really here. He's he's actually here now, right? We can hear him. That's that's the good thing. And he can hear me. We had one or the other going there for a minute, but we got it now. And I just, like, it, it was so important to me for so long that, and it took way too long, 20 years. Never wanted to last this long. But the day Brady was gone. Whether that be because of retirement, whether that be because of his poor play, whether that be because he was leaving for another team, which I always thought was the least likely of those scenarios, that the Bills needed to be in a position to be ready to take over the division, to be in a position to take over the division when that day happens. And so funny that they made a move yesterday that to me is the biggest win now move the Bills have made in how long? When the next day, Tom Brady leaves the division, and he vacates. And now, who knows what's going to be the quarterback for the New England Patriots. They still could very well be very good. But what they are not anymore, almost undoubtedly, is a dynasty, like they were under Tom Brady. Which means the division, at the least, is up for grabs if the Bills shouldn't just be the outright favorites. And to me, with the move they made yesterday, I am going full-blown, this is it. This is the window to win. This is when you become an AFC contender. This is when you become a Super Bowl contender. Everything is now working. Think and, about what you just said for a second. We're, uh, yes. we're too young to fully appreciate what you just said. 
because sure. it's never happened to us before. Or, or we don't really we know what it looks it more. Like. Right. Yeah. Wow. Like I was, I was thinking today, I have no recollection of the period of time where Tom Brady was not the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. I was four years yeah, old. Kindergarten. I was four years or old. Four, yeah, preschool even. No, I we were in you were class of 2013, right? Yeah. So I I started late. So I was four, okay, but okay, I was okay. going yep, yeah, but I was going into kindergarten. Like that's crazy. I have no recollection of sports be- before then. I don't remember the 99 Cup Finals. I don't remember Tom Brady not being on the New England Patriots. And that like I had to think about that today. Like mm-hmm. oh my goodness. It is absurd how long that guy has been elite mm-hmm. and just being a thorn in my sports fandom side. He really he ruined our childhoods as Bills fans. <laughs> like he really did. He, he ruined Tom our childhood Brady as ruined Bills fans. our childhoods. I'm just gonna leave it there. He and, ruined our childhoods. And now he's finally gone. Like he's gone. Like that that this is it. The Patriots are without Tom Brady, right, today. And it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's really settled in yet. Because of last year. Like last year, I think we've kind of gone back and forth and maybe how how good Brady actually was last season. Was he a shell of himself? Was he worse than what he usually is, but still pretty darn good? Maybe somewhere in between there. I'm still maintaining that he was a very good quarterback last season and that he, next year, can be a very good quarterback if surrounded by the right pieces. New which, England, Which he is surrounded by some oh, very yeah. good pieces now. He's going to Tampa, Bruce Arians, who gets the most out of every quarterback he plays with or that he coaches, going to a team that has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin right. at wide receiver, two good tight ends in Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard, um, a good offensive line, not an amazing offensive line, but one of the, a good offensive line. And then some pieces on defense. I don't think their defense is really all that to write home about. But so it's not perfect. But they want. That's really, I think, what all of this was for Brady. Like he has talked about LeBron multiple times in the past year or two. And whenever that happens, and he talks about his his admiration for LeBron James, a lot of times what he's talking about is like the player empowerment and how LeBron recognizes his own value and then capitalizes on it. And some people don't like that. Some people don't like when LeBron James is pulling the strings of the team that he's playing for. They they wanted a lot of fans to be like, no, stay, stay in your lane, play basketball, don't worry about the rest of it because that's not your job. But what LeBron James has done and figured out in the NBA is he does hold the power because he's that important. He plays a position, he's that good to where he changes the course of how of a franchise. He leaves the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're the worst team in basketball. He goes back, they win an NBA championship. The Lakers missed the playoffs for 5 years, he goes there, now they're an NBA contender. They're a title contender. And I think Brady, whenever he's talked about that, has had the desire to do something similar, to go to a team that is rolling out the red carpet for him. And to me, that was never going to happen in New England. That's not how Bill Belichick runs his show. Brady, in fact, has been like a good soldier for a long time. He's been the guy that's taking le- taking less money he so that they could get other pieces. Enough. Well, not enough. He has not been paid near what he's worth relative to other quarterbacks in this league he's never for been a long the, time. I don't think he's ever been in the top five in quarterback money. And think about that. That's crazy. He's never been near the top of the league in that. Tampa rolls out the red carpet for him. They give him the money he wants, $30 million, maybe more. We don't really know exactly the money yet. All the weapons that he wants that he didn't have in New England, the coach that he wants, climate, like weather, that, that plays into it as well. 
Now what's left? Because that's not even the interesting part to me. The Patriots being dethroned in a way, and the Bills standing here ready to take over. I want to have more of a discussion about Josh Allen. Because this season, man, is so important. 100% about Josh Allen now. We, we debated a lot in the past season, and I was maybe the most vocal in that I wanted to see, I needed to have a result, I needed to have a decision on Josh Allen pretty darn soon. Because it's very rare that a quarterback gets to start number 30, and we're still expecting him to grow from that. Generally, quarterbacks, once you get to start 25 through 40, or 25 to 30, in that range, I tend to think you have a pretty darn good idea of what that quarterback is. And Allen is now around that figure. And by the end of the year, I feel like I'm going to want to have a determination on what Josh Allen is. And I now look at that roster with Stephon Diggs at number one wide receiver. Mario Addison yesterday. Mm. But this happened. both of those happened after we were on the air, by the way. <laughs> we spent a lot of yesterday's show talking about how they hadn't done anything. They hadn't done anything. And the things that we've been talking about for weeks and months. What are the two things they still need? Two of the most important things on your team. The number one receiver, the number one pass rusher. I'm not sure Mario Addison satisfies that number one pass rusher role for the long term, but the guy's got 40 sacks in the last four years. The guy is a beast. Oh, he can he's, play. Yeah. yeah, he's 33, so I'm maybe not expecting him to do that forever. Right. But they satisfied that need right now. Stephon Diggs, no doubt, satisfies number one wide receiver. Like they, they hardly could have done better. DeAndre Hopkins got traded yesterday, so they could have. But Diggs is. Matt Harmon's going to be on the station tomorrow. He knows more about receivers than like anybody I've ever listened to from Yahoo. And he thinks Diggs is easily the best route runner in the NFL. And the Bills just got that guy. And what what do they need? What is the hole now? They don't I don't think they have one. Let's not forget that they also have two other very good route runners in John Brown and Cole Beasley. I mean, you're talking about a collection of receivers that that's what they do is they excel at that route tree and I, when I first learned the news last night, I did probably what everyone did was make sure it's not fake. And then I got extremely excited and then it really sunk, you know, it was like it set in that the bills have something that they have not had in the longest time. When was the last time the bills had a bona fide number one receiver on the roster? Maybe. Maybe Reed. You might have to go well, that far. Molds for sure. Molds, yeah. Molds. molds would be a number one receiver. But was did Watkins ever reach that level in Buffalo? No, I don't think so. He would have if he was. John Brown injured. had as good a season last year as Watkins ever did. Okay, well there you go. And I don't Lee think Evans, same thing. Like a lot. Lee Evans, to me, sure. Yeah. They're all grouped together. John Brown, Lee Evans, Stevie Johnson, yep. even T.O. for the one year. Those are guys that, if they're my number one, I could do worse. But ideally, they want, I want them to be my number two. That's probably the best way of putting it. They've had That's, number yeah. two wide receivers as their number one for a very long time. And today, they have a legit number one. They have a guy who, on 40 fewer targets than what he had in 2018, upped his yardage output last season. Like, Diggs... That doesn't went, seem possible. Right. His role almost completely changed. He was a high-volume wide receiver that ran an entire route tree two years ago. We know he's capable of that. Last year, Minnesota decided they're not going to throw the football anymore. They basically relegated Diggs to a vertical threat, mm. like a one-trick pony, and he still lit it, lit it up. 
And now I'm bringing him in here, and he is the focal point to me. He should be the focal point of the offense. This should be now a passing attack. Sal had a stat earlier today that they ran 11 personnel with three wide receivers more than anyone in the league from weeks 11 on last season. They want to throw the football. They line up as if they want to throw the football. Last year, that third starting receiver spot next to John Brown and Cole Beasley was a rotating door. It started at Zay Jones. It ended up getting to Duke Williams. And in between, you had Isaiah McKenzie and Robert Foster rotating in as well. All starting games. And none of those four guys ever satisfied to even be a starter as the third guy. Now, I am replacing a combination of Zay Jones, Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams, and Robert Foster. That's a lot of snaps as a starting receiver. That is, by the way, almost 100 targets between those four guys. I'm replacing that with Stephon Diggs. And I'm giving, you know, not all 100 of those are going to go to Diggs because there's going to be a fourth receiver on this team that gets some targets. But that's 80 targets right there, to me at least, that are freed up. And now I can maybe drop John Brown down to around a 90 target receiver instead of 115 and maybe Cole Beasley goes down from 100 targets to like I don't know 80 same thing those are still big numbers for those guys and it's very easy for me to get to a point where Stefan Diggs is getting the 140 targets that he saw two years ago in this Bills offense right and that seems to be his uh his biggest criticism of his time in Minnesota or at least recently Right, like I feel like there are some Bills fans out there, not a lot, very vocal minority who are not happy because they think Stefan Diggs will ruin the culture of this team, whatever you know, whatever you think of that idea. But first of all, there's two things to say about that. If your culture is that fragile where one guy can come in and ruin it, is it really a strong culture? And second of all, one of his major criticisms was how he was used. I think that if the Bills knew what his criticism... Like, to me, Bean and McDermott are guys that check every boxes. If they had any concern about the kind of guy they were getting in Stefan Diggs off the field, I guess, or his, you know, what we saw, some of the drama on the field, do you really think they would have brought him in? Like, that is so far from my concerns Mm -hmm. with this Stefan Diggs move. And also, at a certain point... Sometimes I think you just need to forego the idea of culture and just bring in a guy who has well talent. Remember, they tried to bring in Antonio Brown last exactly, summer, and that was not. <laughs> we weren't at a point yet where Antonio Brown he wasn't was, off the deep end yet. No, but he was at a point where he had quit on his team. True. He didn't play in... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Finale for the Steelers, and he wasn't showing up to practice. Like, he quit on his team, and the Bills still said that we think our room is strong enough. And I'll give them tons of credit for this, because I've wondered whether they'd be willing to do a move like this. Mm. And Diggs, I don't think, is a problem child at all. Right. So I, I'm not meaning to say it that way, but... Same, and same. I didn't mean to call it, you know... No, he's, yeah, yeah, He's know not, a, he's not he's in a, that mold. He's a fiery guy. Like, sure. We might see a point where he's yelling at guys on the sidelines, where he's yelling at coaches, where he's yelling at the quarterback. And I think a lot of people misconstrued that in, oh, he's a locker room problem. He doesn't. He needs to stay in his lane. He needs to, he needs to understand what his role in this team is. And, funny those things are never said about Tom Brady. Right, who's emotional all the time on the sidelines. Like, to me, I'm prepared for that to happen. And I'm just going to sit back and say... Yeah, what did he end up at the end of the day? Did he he got a hundred yards? And I'm really worried and a touchdown, about yeah. And one of them was 45 yards, and he blew the top off of sure. the, the defense. And really, like you look at it, and like, well, what's the what's the the sideline locker room thing with Diggs? It's that he wanted the ball more in Minnesota. Yeah, of course he did. Did you see what that offense looked like in the first six weeks of the season? Kicking Here's a back. guy whose yeah. job in the league is to catch the ball, and. Oh, by the way, he's got another really good wide receiver on the other side that demands targets, and his team hardly throws the football. Who wants? Who has a top wide receiver wants to play in that offense? Who? And to me, yeah, he had the right, and he should have come out and said, "Yeah, we need to throw the ball more. We need to do that." And they did. Like they did. Minnesota. Don't get me wrong. They didn't become. You know. They didn't become Some the Chiefs or anything, yeah. but they were throwing the ball more often, and Diggs saw it a lot and saw a big bump in his play after that happened. So, I mean, oh, I know you have yeah. Dalvin Cook, but like, the, my goodness, you have man. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and you just don't throw the football. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just – so, yes, like, if he comes here and the, the goal is to feed this guy the football – I'm all in because I think that's what you should do when you have a wide receiver of his capabilities. Mm-hmm. Throw it to him as much as possible because yeah. why not? And he's noted, and you know, take it for what well, it's worth, but PFF says he is the best contested catch receiver in the league. Right. He's a complete wide receiver. He really is. And there's reason to believe that he was very underutilized in Minnesota. Underutilized which is a crazy word considering he had 1,100 yards last season. Right. But there's really an argument to be made that he is, that maybe he does have the same skill set as these other elite receivers in the league where I'm not sure he's often mentioned. Like, I think he gets respect around the league maybe as an elite receiver, but if I were to bring up, oh, who's the best receiver in football, i get to an immediate list of five names. Like, it's DeAndre Hopkins, it's Julio Jones, it was Antonio Brown, not anymore. i probably get to Odell Beckham. Mm. i probably get to, not Amari Cooper, um, AJ Mike Green Evans, maybe like I'm getting to a, a lot of guys before Diggs, but that doesn't mean that he's not in that caliber because I think he Keenan he Allen is. probably maybe is yeah. Up there. But all of this, I want to loop it back around to Allen exactly because with Diggs now in the fold and as good a player as he is, by the way, only 26 years old. It's perfect. It's a perfect trade. It's a perfect trade. Even though they paid a lot, it was worth it for sure. They add Mario Addison. They don't have a major hole left on the roster. 
They've got minor tweaks. They need to add a depth running back to me behind Devin Singletary. Maybe they could use another tight end. A little maybe, offensive line help. Yeah, maybe another a, a depth lineman, maybe a, a better right guard than John Feliciano. I don't think they need to do that, but they could. Uh, maybe another defensive tackle. There was a report they were in on DJ Reader, who signed an insane contract with Cincinnati, so glad they didn't do that. So maybe they want to add another interior lineman. Maybe a nickel corner, but I don't I mean you have, I don't even you think have you need Taren that. You have Taren, but there was some Chris Harris stuff out there, which yeah. was weird to me. I don't think you need that either. They don't have a major hole left on the roster. Kicker, by the way, I would mention that. Kicker's a major hole for me, but like not really. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like it's really but not, not really. Right. That's a spot yeah. you can improve on. I think you should improve on, but that's kicker is so far down the list. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster. It is. If you take out the quarterback. The rest of it is Super Bowl caliber. You cannot tell me that there's a better way to set up Josh Allen for success than what the Bills have done. They have everything, everything working for them. Coaching continuity. Brian Dable, the same offensive coordinator coming into year three, as opposed to guys like Baker Mayfield, who's going on his third offensive coordinator in three years. Fourth head coach, by the way. So no continuity from that guy. You now have the number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. You have a legitimate number two wide receiver in John Brown. Right. You yeah. have a legitimate slot receiver in Cole Beasley. They have, they have completely turned around the offensive line from Allen's rookie year. They have. I don't think they have an elite offensive line, but I think they have a very good, a passable, offensive serviceable, line. sure, offensive line. They have an athletic tight end. We'll see what Dawson Knox does in year two. Maybe that's still a question mark. But they have with Tyler Croft in the mix too. Like they. They're fine at tight end. They're not amazing, but they're fine. And they have a great defense. And an a ele- great you, defense. You didn't even mention Devin Singletary. They have an electric yes. second-year running back who should see a significant increase in touches this year as well. All of that put together, there is no reason. There's no more excuses for Josh Allen. Agreed. There is not a single one left. You, I'm sure if he starts to struggle... There will be a war between people who think it's Allen's fault and people who think it's Dable's fault. But I'm telling you right now that Josh Allen, in 2020, needs to match what his team is. Right. And he needs to at least come close to it. This is a Super Bowl-caliber roster. I'm not expecting Josh Allen to be a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback next year, but he needs to prove, he needs to come far enough, especially throwing the ball deep with Diggs now, he needs to come far enough to where he's good enough to to get this team that far. At least show that they could get there. Make a playoff run. Even if you don't make it all the way. Because you're probably not going to. The Bills are 28-1 to to win the Super Bowl. They're probably not going all the way. I need to see enough signs that when everything around you is nearly perfect, that you're capable of winning it all. Otherwise, I need a new guy. Like I do. Because I think their window is open now. And... I wish I honestly didn't look at the 2021 free agent dra- uh, quarterback class before I made this point. Because if there was like a deep class of guys coming available next year that, to me, are upgrades, then this would be a better conversation. That if Allen doesn't live up to snuff this year, well, if I have a Super Bowl caliber roster, my window's open now, the division's up for grabs, the conference is maybe up for grabs next to Baltimore and Kansas City. Right. I need to go for that. I need to go all out for that. The next year's version of Tom Brady, maybe. But there isn't that guy. Like, Dak Prescott is the top guy in the list next year. And he's not really not available. him to yeah. be available. And there's nothing after that. It's Andy Dalton and it's Tyrod Taylor. And we're probably talking about a rookie again. So then we'd probably be talking about guys you trade for. But 
That's where I'm at. I'm at if Allen doesn't come forward this year in a big way, I believe their window is open now to be a Super Bowl contender. Sure. And I need the quarterback. I need the quarterback to match that. And I, I think you're spot on because even nationally, you know, and Buffalo always seems to be overlooked. In, that might be rightfully so, especially the Bills. You know, be a 17-year playoff drought. Yeah, they made the playoffs a couple years ago, but that was kind of fluky. And then they had one of the worst playoff games ever against the Jaguars. I mean, that was a snooze fest. You know, they missed the playoffs. They go 6-10. and 10, And then now, last year, finally starting to get respect. And nationally, even like casual NFL fans realize what's going on in Buffalo as far as the talent accumulation they're putting together. You're talking about a stud defense at really every position except mm-hmm. for maybe pass rusher, and even they addressed that I yesterday. Mean, they, upgraded. they upgraded. They did. Shaq Lawson's Shaq good. Shaq Lawson is not nearly the pass rusher that Mario Addison has been the last several right. years. So you're talking about an upgrade at least in pass rushing. Maybe you lose a little bit in run defense, but the way the league is going, that does hey, not right. matter I'd, to right, me. Right, I'd, I'd take that trade every day of the week. Exactly. So you have Ed Oliver coming into his second year, and he showed glimpses of being fantastic last year. It took a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm that's to be expected for a guy who's a little bit undersized for the position who went to Houston. Sure. You know, that's a big step up in play. I mean, you're talking about stars at every level of the defense and you're now talking about I mean even PFF yesterday said that the Bills might have the best receiving core in the NFL right now PFF said that it I mean it's it's is that <laughs> is it crazy it's not crazy it, I wouldn't call them that but is it's John not, you can is, make an argument is John Brown the best number two receiver in the NFL no Chris Godwin is okay that's fair but I mean he's up there like the, the point is he's up there like he doesn't have to be the best number two wide receiver if and he's now, fourth and now, better than twenty seven other teams is number two. Are you sure Chris Godwin is the? We don't know what Tom what John Brown no, yeah, is I as mean, a number two receiver. Think, think about the space that Godwin has by having Mike Evans put on the other side of the field. Well, Brown, right now, now, so this is this is a good thing, a good measuring stick for John Brown because you're now putting him in a better role. Right. Last year, he was really required to be their focal point of the passing game. And All the whole route tree, comeback routes over the middle, the contested ball at the end of the Baltimore game when the ball needed to come out, it was it went to him. John Brown versus Peters, Marcus Peters, right. That's where the ball goes. That's not John Brown anymore. John Brown, in fact, maybe this could even further help their vertical pass game. That's what I'm saying, yes. John Brown, at the beginning of his career in Arizona, when he first had success in this league, he was a stretch-the-field vertical threat. And I don't want to completely relegate him to just run-and-go routes because I think he's he's an all-around good route runner. I think he's a good wide receiver at everything. But now maybe you're freeing him up to be that deep threat way more often because now Stephon Diggs is doing all the stuff that John Brown had to do last year, and he's doing it at a better and more efficient rate. And Brown is doing it against, in theory, the number a two cornerback corner. who's inferior to the guy who's going to be covering right. Diggs. Yeah, not everybody uh, Exa- that's shadows, why, but, but That's why yeah. I'm saying in theory. You know, some games, some games, you're right. Right, and you know we've talked about this, and I you know, hate to bring it back to hockey right now, but we've talked about this Oof. so much with the Sabres about if you can get Johansson, to play wing on the third line because you acquired enough talent 
to get up there on the second line and so that you free him up to do a role he's more comfortable with. You know, you get that guy, you get that talent for the second line on the Sabres, and you're able to put the second line guys that you currently have on the Sabres into more comfortable third line roles against inferior opponents, like I said, in theory. You do the same thing with John Brown here. You get a number one receiver in Diggs. You put John Brown against, in theory, a player who is not as good as who was playing him last year. And I'm not, I'll be the first person to say how much I appreciate what John Brown did last year. Mm -hmm. He came in, and he's never really been a one receiver in his career, and he filled that spot exceptionally well with a second-year quarterback who, by most accounts, has troubles with accuracy. And he came in here, and all he did for the entire season was produce. And now you put him, that guy, into an even better situation. Like, this this Diggs move will have Mm -hmm. ripple effects. Yeah, I, th- I think it makes everything, everything. It makes everything easier to attain the division, the winning a playoff game, winning multiple playoff games. Your quarterback taking the next step as your franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. and it's not just about limiting excuses. Because I don't want to just say, "Well, what if this goes horribly wrong?" I-, I am thinking that. I'm thinking that. Hey, if Josh Allen does not, if he even stays status quo, if he was as good as he was last year. I'm telling you that is not good enough with this roster. I need a better quarterback for what this roster is, and I would be exploring that next offseason if that's the case. I don't want to just live like that, though. There is, of course, a good possibility, if not even a, a strong possibility, that Allen does take that next step because mm-hmm. now the thing he was struggled the most at last year was that vertical pass, and he we, he showed he could improve in the short to intermediate routes, and he came a long way huge, in one offseason. So that yeah. gives me a little bit of hope that he'll be able to come a long way when it comes to throwing the ball deep, which which is funny because you would have never thought we'd be at that point. Where right? Allen, yeah. to, to be a franchise quarterback, he needs to figure out how to throw the ball deep. Like, holy cow, that who, is the hell, complete, who did we draft? Complete 180 from what we thought right. the Bills were getting a couple years ago. But I do believe there's a reason to believe that he's going to do it. And if he does, I mean, what what's the ceiling? The ceiling is... I am in the conversation with Kansas City and Baltimore. That's where I need to be. Josh Allen needs to get me to that conversation. Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo. I need to be in that tier. Or I truly believe because of how much respect I have for the roster they've built around the quarterback. Like, man, I I, I don't want to keep coming back to it, but if Matthew Stafford was available next offseason with this roster, like what is this roster right now with Matthew Stafford? I'm not saying Allen can't be as good as Stafford even this year. They're, he could. But I don't know, man. I look at a quarterback like that, and if I plugged him in right now, I think I'm talking about beating the Chiefs. I, I think I'm I talking think about that can, being available. I think you honest. here's my thing, is you honestly could have talked about that last year. You could have. The Bills. It would have been tougher. Outside, but yeah. 100%. But outside of, what, one game? They were in every single game they played. And I'm ta- the one game I'm talking about is the Eagles, where the Eagles ran away with it you sure. know, in the third quarter. Every other game, they were right there. They were right there. They were a, you could call it a drop. It was more like a great play by Marcus Peters, but the John Brown play at the goal line. I wouldn't call line, it a drop. That, yeah, to me, it was, that, a, that it was, was a great defensive play. It's a great play by Peters. Going back to that last play, which we're talking about here, when the ball had to come out against Baltimore, game on the line. 
The throw by Allen was actually perfect. Yes. It was really right where it had to be. The problem was you just didn't have the right receiver to be throwing the ball to there. You're talking about them being in every single game last year, including against what every analyst says is the best team in the was the best team in the league at that point, the Ravens, because they were on yep. such a tear. You know, you're talking about beating them. You know, you were in the game twice against the Patriots, and there's a very good argument to be made. You should have won both games. You're yeah. talking about going down the final drive against the Patriots twice last year. Yeah. You beat the Tennessee Titans, albeit with Mariota as opposed to Tannehill. You beat them in Tennessee against a very good defense. You did a lot of those things. There is no reason to think they couldn't have competed yeah. with the Chiefs. Now you add another layer of the offense. You're not losing. I mean, you're losing a couple pieces on defense, but they're getting filled, and some might argue you're getting more production out of the Addison over Shaq Lawson deal. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not losing really anything of note. You're replacing Lorenzo Alexander with Klein. You're, there is nothing to, for me to think that they can't go in and compete with Baltimore and Kansas City right now. Does better quarterback play give you a much better chance than that? Of course, obviously. There, Josh Allen still has a ways to go in his development. But it's the chicken and the egg discussion that we kind of had with Tom Brady this past year, where was it was the quarterback holding back the offense or is the the pieces kind of holding back the quarterback Josh Allen? And yeah. that answer, I think, will be definitively answered this season. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on the nightcap. Nate Geary is going to hop in with us in about 15 minutes on the West Her Hotline. Stay tuned for that. We'll take a call here before we hit the break. Mike, you've been waiting patiently. What's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, uh, Melvin Gordoner, I mean, I don't want to overpay the guy, but I think if you get this guy, dude, you are literally, legitimately a uh, Super Bowl con contender. I, I love the way he runs. I mean, I think he gave it kind of half-assed where he was at the end of his uh, stay with uh, his uh, his last team. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just I, I don't see why you wouldn't go after this guy. Mike, thanks for the call. I um... – I hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I really do. I'm just, I can't get there with a running back, and especially that one. I don't even know that he's good. He's, he's been in the league for five years. He's cracked four yards a carry, which, by the way, is average in the league. Like, it's not even above average. Four right. yards a carry is average. He's cracked that once. And I get why that's an exciting idea. If there was another star running back on the market right now, I'd listen to it. I still wouldn't tell you it's a good idea because I never want to pay a running back like that. But if there was a running back on the market right now that's legitimately great, then we could have a conversation. I don't think Gordon is that guy. If Derrick Henry was on the market. Yeah. Because that's another big name, and it would be exciting. Like That would be another star player added to the Bills' offense, and there would be reason to believe that they'd be that good um, or that that would take them to another level. I just don't see a running back being that much better than Devin Singletary to where they could take them anywhere else. Exactly where I was going. I think when you bring in a running back of Gordon's asking price, I don't even want to say caliber because I I'm not sure like you are. I don't know I'm how good sure. he is. I'm, you know what? He had a good year. He had a good year a couple of years ago. Actually, you know what? I do I think I do know how good he is. I don't think he's good. I really I, don't. I don't think he's good. I think he's okay at best. The kind of money that it would take to bring him in here, you're obviously giving him a decent amount of the responsibility out of the backfield. And I am just yep. not – I'm at the point where Devin Singletary showed me enough last year to make me feel comfortable with him going in as your mm. primary guy. And 
On top of that, I don't even know if I want someone who's going to be taking uh, touches away from him. Yeah. You know, you need you obviously need two good running backs, but you can't have I I I need Devin Singletary yeah. doing a bulk, not 50-50. I agree with that. Uh 8030550 is the phone number if you're hanging on hold, we'll get to you after the break. Tom Brady goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter. I'll toss I want to toss a couple of week one potential matchups by you after the break before Nate Geary joins us at eight o'clock. Here on the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Tom Brady expected to land with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That according to Adam Schefter, Jeff Darlington, Ian Rappaport. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's saying now uh, that matters. Brady is going to the Bucks, And that's, of course, having an impact on the AFC East, having an impact on the Bills, having an impact on our psyche and our way of thinking, I think, about the division. Until really last year, midway through the season, I'm not sure I ever thought about the division. Actually, that's not true. Once. 2008, when he tore his ACL. Mm. That was like the only other time in my life I've seriously thought about the division. Did you think about the division when uh, the A Bills... home playoff game. That, that just clicked. Like a home playoff game. Yeah. That's what that means. It's never happened. A home playoff me. game where they're going to be the two seed and have to play the seven. Because this would be the right. year of the Bills. How about that? I, you know what? I don't even mind that. I don't, <laughs> I don't either. I don't mind it. Give me, give me give an me extra more, home give playoff Give me more game. games. Yeah, whatever. I, I In the probably next year or the year after, I'll tell you that, oh, this is stupid. They should go back to six. <laughs> but for right now, I'm fine with it. But there's also an impact on what happens now for opening night and what happens week one. I think, undoubtedly, if Tom Brady's the Patriot quarterback next season, the opener for Thursday night on in week one to open the NFL season, it is Patriots at Chiefs. Yeah. No doubt. Kansas City's going to host that game. And, like, last year they didn't do that. They did. They went Packers and Bears, but I think that was only because of the 100th. Yeah. So, assuming that they go back to the Super Bowl champ opens the season at home, New England now, they don't have to be off the board. Like, if they went to got Cam Newton, for instance, I'm still going to be here to tell you that's a that's a pretty sexy matchup. Like, I'm, I'm there for that. I'm there for Patriots with Cam at Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, I'm in for that. There's not a lot of other great options for who they host. Let, let me run through who Kansas City's home opponents are this year, and you tell me if they're capable of playing at Kansas City on to open the season. Atlanta. No. Carolina. No. Denver. No, but that's the best so far. Houston. Houston's maybe, probably the best so far. Maybe. Vegas. Maybe. The Chargers. Now we got to see how the Chargers quarterback situation plays out. What if they get a Jameis Winston or something like that? Does that make it interesting to you? Mm, I, more interesting. You're right. I, I but, still think of all of them so far, the Texans, but go on. And then the Jets and the Patriots. It honestly might still be the Patriots. I think it might end up being just if Cam Newton goes to any of those teams. Could be. I, I really think like I think he sells. He's a star in the league still. Sure. He might be shot. His he might never be able to run again like the way he used to. Um, and if that's the case, he just becomes an inaccurate pocket pocket quarterback. Now you do have the built-in storyline if it were to be the Texans of the Texans blowing a twenty-four to nothing Man. lead against the Chiefs and I then think, trying to you know exact yeah. revenge whatever that means. Week one of the. Can NFL I, season and not in the divisional round of the playoffs, but can I tell you something about the Chief, about the Texans? That they're the 
worst run organization right now in the NFL? I think they might stink next year. Like straight up, like they might not be good. Like even with Deshaun Watson, in context, I don't think they're going three and thirteen. They might miss the playoffs. Yes, I think we talked about a little bit this yesterday. The only thing that consistently worked for the Houston Texans in the last couple of years is Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins. Sure, that's it. They don't protect the quarterback well. They don't run the ball well. They don't. Their secondary receivers can't stay healthy. Their defense is always banged up and injured. Like JJ Watt's amazing when he's on the field, but he's been injured a lot. They just lost DJ Reader. They lost DJ Reader. They traded Jadavian Clowney. Didn't even get a first round pick back. Like I don't know what they do well other than Deshaun Watson, and I think he's a special quarterback. And he's top five in the league, maybe top three. But at how much can he lift up? They are the Bizarro Bills. They're the Bizarro Bills. The, only... the Bills have everything working. Yeah. They have everything filled. Their blueprint is executed to a T, but we don't know about the quarterback yet. Houston's the opposite. They know about the quarterback, but everything else is a barren wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wins in that situation? Last year it was Houston by a very narrow margin, but the Bills were not as complete. I would even tell you the last time they played football to where they are right now. Yeah, the division isn't good either. That's the one thing that might keep the them alive. The East, the South, the AFC South. I would tell you the South might be better than the East. I mean, right now, first of all, that's not saying a whole. We don't lot. know what New England is, um, yet, but. but the yeah, I mean, the Jaguars not going to be good. Probably, I think the Colts are going to be good. What is Rivers now? Uh, he's last better year, than Rivers, Brissett, isn't he? Is he? Is he they, marginally at least? We all thought the Chargers had the. Wild card locked up before last season started. We knew, we knew there were going to be two teams coming out of the AFC West. The Chiefs were going to win the division, and the Chargers already had a stamp on one of the wild card spots, and they didn't really even come close. They did not even come close. What, What are they missing there? What are they missing in Los Angeles last year? Because now Rivers is gone, but what were they missing? Riv- I don't really, Rivers what just were they kind missing? of what were they missing? Rivers just fell seems off. like the roster is so good. I, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, we are way late to a break. We got to get Nate Geary in on this when we come back. Not specifically this. The Bills, Stephon Diggs, Brady leaving the division, pressure on Josh Allen in 2020, all of it on the table. Nate Geary joins me and Brendan next here on the Nightcap on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes! Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. We never got to, uh, by the way, Sunday Night Football. Super quick. We talked about the opener. Three good options, I think, Tampa. I think Tampa is Sunday Night Football Mm -hmm. to open the season. At or versus the Saints is my guess. Or versus Green Bay. Green Bay is on their home schedule. I like the what Saints. Do you like those for? I like the Saints. Breeze versus Brady. I think both going of, for records. I think both those matchups are going to be prime time. Yeah, they should I mean, be. You're talking about two legends in maybe their final year. 
Let's bring uh, Nate Geary in on the nightcap. Nate, how are uh, how are you doing? Are you uh, staying indoors? Are you kind of watching Netflix and uh, Disney Plus and Hulu and all these streaming services twenty four seven? I wish. Um, no, I have been mostly working my full time job. I am plenty busy, uh, and also this it's the start of free agency. Uh, I'm actually personally very happy this the, the NFL decided to go through with this um, and didn't postpone it because this is literally all we have. <laughs> uh, and it has been the best start to free agency that I can remember. Every year you kind of get to the day one of free agency, you're like, this is pretty cool. But like, uh, yes, I, I saw a tweet from you that was uh, after that DeAndre Hopkins trade. It was like, man, please don't let this be the only trade. Tell me that there, there wasn't a huge shift of power in the AFC um, and you weren't on the benefiting side of that. And, and I was totally with you. And I, and I felt a little discouraged, but not I, I, I didn't feel like they were, there wasn't a move being ready, uh, you know, almost ready to be had, right? I mm-hmm. just, I did not think, <clears throat> and nor did a lot of people think, I, I'm sure, that this was a trade that A, would and could get done. Um, I, I, it had just been talked about for too long for it to be legitimate, you know? Like, I, I think if it didn't happen at the end of the year last year, it would have been the trade deadline last year, it kind of felt like it just was never going to happen, right? And now we got to a point where, okay, well, now it might happen, and there's a rumor that another receiver is going to get moved today, but who's it going to be? And, you know, I, I think for... Every year, every Bills fan wants that to be the Bills, and it just I don't think the Bills have ever been in a better position to make that trade um, than they were yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to seem overdramatic about it, um, but it, it most literally, I think, is a franchise-altering trade. Yeah. What do you think, though, is more franchise-altering? Because we've kind of been going back and forth here on the Diggs trade and its impact, but also maybe this is more a psychological thing, but... Like it's so they both they work side and side I think, but it's it's such a great feeling that the day that Brady leaves the AFC East and the division feels more up for grabs than it ever has been, that the Bills are standing here waiting for the King to step down from his throne and when he steps down they are there waiting to be able to take it over and they're in a position to be able to take it over. So, yeah, I mean, this whole window, I just was on a podcast with Joe Marino of uh, Locked on Bills, and I kind of said this is, you know, the Bills are trying to elongate this this thing called the window, right? And I think we're really going to have to familiarize Bills fans with what a true playoff or a true championship window is because, hey, um, the Bills are in one. Um, how long it lasts, I don't know, but I'm here for the ride. I think we all are. And I think part of the, this ride really is contingent. And it, the, the whole thing surrounds Josh Allen. It's whether or not he's a franchise quarterback is mostly what's going to take this thing to the next level. But a guy like Stephon Diggs, you can't tell me that there weren't at least 20 other teams that have been willing to pay the same price for Stephon Diggs. Uh, Stephon Diggs had a, at least, for the very at the very least, have to say, yes, I'd be willing and I accept the trade. Like, I'm going to go report to the Bills. Um, and then even more so, tweet about and, like, being excited about it. I, I To me, the franchise-altering part of this may not be what he ultimately does in the field, but it's, it's a more organic Terrell Owens moment for me. 
Um, and I guess what I mean by that is like Terrell Owens just felt it just the team wasn't good. Um, it felt like a PR publicity stunt. And you never really got the sense that like T.O. was going to be the factor that got them to where they think they could be. Um, nobody thought the, that that team was going to be some kind of championship contender that year. Um, I, I think they thought they wanted him to be that. But I think this is a legitimate. I mean, are we talking is T.O. is, is Stefan Diggs in 2020 the T.O. of then? I mean, that's pretty high praise. Terrell Owens is a Hall of Fame receiver, maybe one of the best five, six of all time. Um, but, you know, like that, that is such a it, mm-hmm. it, it's the gravity of that move, I think, is very similar, but way more fitting, way more purposeful right now. And I think that's what's it, what excites me and, and makes me think that this is franchise altering because there are so many factors that have to lead to Stefan Diggs actually completing a trade and being traded to the Buffalo Bills, a lot of things have to go right. And all of them went right. And and I think for the first time, all of us kind of just took a collective, you know, sigh of relief with everything else going on um, and the distractions and and just everything of our normal daily life. It sort of feels fake. It feels surreal. Like it doesn't feel like it actually happened that the Bills just acquired arguably one of the top five, six, seven receivers in football, and not really an argument is that he's the best route runner in football to go with the second or third best route runner in football with Cole Beasley. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on for days, man. I mean, this was this was a really big trade for a team that in order to legitimize itself, not only to those within, but I think to those outside of the doors, they they needed to make a move like this to say – Hey, Baltimore, I know what you're doing, but this is a move that's going to help us compete with you. And and that's exciting to me. Nate, do you think that this was fair compensation, what the Bills gave in return? Obviously, this year's first-round pick, number 22 overall, being the most significant portion of, the, of what you're giving up. Do you think that's fair compensation? Because a lot of people on social media look at that crazy DeAndre Hopkins trade mm-hmm. from earlier and they're kind of basing the Stefan Diggs compensation to that I don't think that's fair what do you think I, I think first and foremost it was just such an unprecedented day that two receivers of the caliber of, of Diggs and Hopkins move um, and 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 basically essentially switch conferences and sort of realign um, what's happening in terms of passing offenses in, in football but I don't think it's fair, no, because I, I think, first of all, the Bills paid a fair market value for what is one of the best receivers in football. Now, had this contract been the next four years at $19 million, well, that's not as attractive to me as the next four years at something like an average of $11.1 or $11.2 million over the next four years. Now, will that get renegotiated? I think I'm just going to kind of put that to the side for now and just look at it in a vacuum of, of what they acquired. And a first-round pick, if you could say right now at 22, I'm getting Stephon Diggs in his prime with four years at a very cost-controlled number, um, yeah, that is a no-brainer because what's the best-case scenario you do at 22? Trade up so that you could get rugs, so that you could get potentially CeeDee Lamb or if Jerry Judy falls? Like, is that your best-case scenario? Because then your best-case scenario means you're spending 
more assets to essentially still go after a guy that we know first round receivers. We've actually seen unprecedented success in the second and third round guys over the last few seasons, rather than these guys that have been taken in the first round. So listen, I like the prospects at the top of the draft. It was telling to me that the rumor was the Bills did their homework and they came away unimpressed with this draft class. When everyone is talking about how deep it is, I think they were looking for who's the guy that's going to take this offense to the next level, not a guy that's going to help us in 2023. And I appreciate that approach. That is understanding the window. And I'm super happy, I mean, personally, that we have a general manager, front office head coach that realized the opportunity and the window. And they're not saying, well, you know, we've got 70 million and the Browns are spending a lot of money. But you know what? I think, you know, we were close. We don't, we're not a player away. Like Brandon Bean says that. I don't think he means that because this move indicates he thinks, you know, we might be a Stefan Diggs away. Is it fair to say this is a Super Bowl caliber roster? Here, long uh, that's a really pause good question. Right. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I'm take, willing to take, get there yet. Take Allen um, out of it. Take Allen out of it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like the question mark that is the quarterback right now is maybe, and and of course he could play well this season. He could take strides. He could take a step forward, and then he's a part of it. But I think the biggest question mark on the team because they now have pretty much like their blueprint is complete. They've filled every position of need. Um, maybe they could use, I don't know, even Mario Addison. Like I feel like they're they're good at pass rusher right now. Like I don't see a big major hole anywhere on the roster. And I think maybe the biggest question mark on this team, in it's maybe unfair to him, but I think it's the quarterback. I think it's Allen. I would tell you that I'm not really set at defensive end or pass rusher because you, you, you're a Jerry Hughes injury away from playing Trent Murphy and um, Daryl Johnson. Daryl uh, Johnson, Daryl Johnson, full time minutes, uh, full time snaps. You know what I'm saying? So as much as I'm, and, and I don't think a second or third or fourth round guy is the guy that I want to be your your primary rotational player at defensive end. I, I'm fine with a developmental player, but I'm still. I think there's meat on the bone at defensive end. I think defensive tackle is another. Position position that they really need to address that I, I was talking with Joe Marino too and we were saying you know Snacks Harrison uh, Linval Joseph one of those guys that they need to bring in another player in the middle of that defense I don't know how that fits with with Phillips and everything but I, I think to me that if they went out if they finished free agency with a couple more good depth signings they re-sign Lager and Waddell they re-sign Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano um, they get I don't know. I don't know who would be a running back that would really move the needle for me right now um, that they could bring in as a running back two that is really the answer on offense. And then to me, Chris Harris. You get Chris Harris. I'm I'm believing that this is a legitimate Super Bowl roster because I think your defense takes significant steps um, at being able to play Mm -hmm. one-on-one you could play man you could play zone you could play whatever you want if you bring a Chris Harris into that defensive lineup now it was rumored from Josina Anderson it's not anything set in stone or anything but that was the the one rumor I had heard of the very few by the way that you hear about potential signings you were really not hearing the Bills name in any of these guys being signed which I'm not surprised about but you know for me there's meat on the bone of the defensive line and if you could add another legitimate corner to this roster then then talk to me about Super Bowl caliber. Right now, I think they're the first team of the second tier of AFC teams. I think they're right there where I, I would usually put Baltimore every year. But I think you have Baltimore and Kansas City at the top. 
I'm interested at what Indianapolis has done, but I think that they are of that second tier with the Bills. But I, give me the Bills as the third team or the first team in that second tier of AFC teams. What's your favorite uh, working idea for what New England does, a quarterback right now? Like, I feel like they could go anywhere because we don't have a precedent for what Bill Belichick does when he has to start from scratch kind of at quarterback. When he's backed into a corner. Right. Yeah. So, like, what, what, what's, your, what's your idea for them? Do you think Dal- Dalton, Newton is, could be traded, but I don't know. People seem to think that's not a good fit. I mean, they could draft a guy at 23 they pick, but who is that Jordan Love? Like, I don't really know what they do. Stidham, maybe. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. Yeah, Stidham, yeah. Stidham, we, you should at least mention because he'd been in the system and you know if you're a backup quarterback and you're young and you stick around, it's got to be because they like you. Um, so, you know, that that you could at least put in Stidham's corner. I, I don't know. It's seeming more and more that the obvious choice, guys, is Jameis Winston. Um, <laughs> it, it's the only – I know, it's right? It's, it's funny amazing. to say that. And Does that scare you? It's to me the – it, mm, a little bit. My dad. I was talking to my dad about it, and I said that's that's probably where where they end up going. And I was like, that's kind of like worse than if Brady went back. And I was like, I know, kind of, uh, because like people are really down on Jameis. He had a bad year, but I, you know, put him in Josh McDaniel's system. He's got new eyes. He's got a new knee. Um, who knows with Jameis? Uh, with Jameis, but I, I, that is intriguing to me with the from the Josh McDaniel's angle. But I like it, it's intriguing in a lot of ways, but. You know, I think, what are they going to do? They're going to trade for Cam Newton? I don't think they're going to do that. I think, you know, yeah. go get, I think the, what they'll do is probably sign Winston on a one-year deal, 20 million bucks, and let him go out there. The offense has eh, pieces, you know. I mean, he's going to, let's do they know do they, how do, good Jameis Winston is because he, cause he's not going to have Godwin and Evans. So I, I was going to say, do they have pieces? Like, right. their offensive starters are not um, that much to write home about. Um, like Edelman and Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu, like you could get something out of that group. But who's their tight end? They have the worst. The tight end's Matt Lacoste. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's bad. I don't know. I don't and know. Have, you know, I, I, I don't know, guys. This it's it's weird for me to to think about their roster. But if you're Tom Brady, though, I mean, think about this. You are thinking of their or looking at the roster this with the same eyes that we're all looking at it. I can't blame Brady at all for not wanting no, to neither. sign up to go back to New England. It's just not a good situation for him. Who who are they going to get? I think the waiting game on Brady was maybe like, I'm going to give you every chance. And it doesn't have to have played out this way. Maybe he just wanted to leave in the first place. And maybe he just wanted to be treated like royalty, and Tampa did that for him. Belichick never was. That's why he left. But it also could have been that he was waiting to see if New England would make a move. There were a lot of reports about him wanting them to keep Antonio Brown around last year. And, I mean... The off-the-field stuff is what it is, but why did he want him around? Because he is easily the best weapon they would have had on offense. They didn't have yeah. weapons on offense like that. And maybe he was giving them every opportunity to go at a guy like that. But now that Stephon Diggs gets traded and DeAndre Hopkins gets traded and Amari Cooper re-signs in Dallas and Amari Cooper or uh, A.J. Green got tagged, like what is New England's opportunity to give Brady and whoever is going to come in and play quarterback there a staple of offensive weapons similar to what the Bills have set up around their quarterback? Like I just don't see the opportunity for New England to do that. Tight end too. Brennan just asked, like, who's their tight end? It's Matt Lacoste. Like Austin Hooper, off yeah. the market. Hunter Henry. Got tagged. Like I don't. I don't know what New England does, no matter who their quarterback is, to to even compete with like what the Bills have to offer. Yeah, and their their weapons are, were 
brought in around the strengths of Brady. So they've got all these running backs you can come out of the backfield and catch. Right. Um, do they have a legitimate, you know, that's not Winston. really that, disappointing to me. And that's not Winston. Yeah, you're right. I, I, is it, but is it Newton with that offensive line? Like, I don't think that's a good situation for Newton, quite honestly, either. Um, but that I, Newton would probably be their, the most, it would probably be the best move they could make. I think the most logical move right now is Winston or, or maybe like Andy Dalton, but man, who's move who, what fan base is getting moved by Andy Dalton? Um, you know, no offense to Andy Dalton, but at this point in his career, he's a, he's a backup mm. quarterback. It's just like, you know, Andy Dalton wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad option if the bills could get him uh, to be their backup quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, but otherwise I'm not thinking about him uh, being a starter really anywhere. What would it take for the bills to be the favorites in your mind to Ooh. win the division? Yeah. Like who's new England's quarterback got to be for the bills to be the favorite. Like if Andy Dalton's their quarterback, and not should they be because I think we might all be in agreement they maybe should be. But do you think they're the the like who's the quarterback to be for Vegas to put the Bills as the favorite? He's long pause. Uh, I Stidham. That's what we kind of said too. I I don't think that they're gonna get preseason respect or love. Um, but I will say that they're now twelve to one to win the conference. Yes. Wait, who was that? So the Bills. That's not. Yeah. Yeah, twelve to one to win the conference. Twenty-eight to one to win the to win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Twelve to one to win the conference is that's decent respect to yeah. me. Um, the question that I have is what they've done right now. No questions asked. How many primetime games, in your guys' opinion? Um, but as for your first, just to, to complete mm. the, the 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 circle on the last one there. But I'll, I'll leave that to let you guys smolder on that. Um, but the uh, New England point of this, um, I think the, the, the question isn't whether or not the Bills are going to win the division because I think that they're in the position now to win the division handedly. The question is, did the Miami Dolphins leapfrog the New York Jets? And I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. And, and I think that, mm. that the Jets are in a ton of trouble, ton of trouble, um, not only from what they've added, but from a player acquisition standpoint. I don't know that Joe Douglas... I, they had to overpay Joe Douglas to bring him in, and I don't know that there would have been any money in the world that could have got Joe Douglas if he knew that there it was going to be this difficult to bring guys in or acquire talent. I, I think they're finding out very, very harshly right now that the Jets simply are, are they're the Knicks. Is it a Gase problem? Do you think, think Adam Gase think, is the I reason why? from that. I think it stems from that, but I also think it stems from what happened with um, Osemele, uh, Kalechi Osemele this, this season. The injury settlement. There was another injury situation. The situation with Le'Veon Bell. Like, I think players are just looking at it as, A, you know, New York is not what it was. Like, that market for sports, look, at, look around. You know, other than the, than the Rangers... They're, the New York teams are not finding it easy to acquire the 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 real big the real big ticket players, and I think the, they're they're finding it. Well, I mean, maybe the, the Yankees, but whatever. I, I don't even consider them a sports team. I don't even think about them. So, <laughs> um, but are you guys gonna tell me? You guys gonna tell me about this? Oh yeah, uh, the uh, my, prime my prime time. Um, yeah. I would set the over under at one and a half. I would take the over, but I, I would take the over. I, I would two. take the over at two. I don't think they're getting three, but I think two. I think they get a Thursday night game, and I think 
I think they host I think they Kansas get... City on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, you got to go through their schedule. If we look at their opponents, I don't think anyone in the division is getting them a primetime game, at least not anything spectacular. Like, maybe they get a Thursday game against the Dolphins. But I don't think they're in a contention for Monday night or th- Sunday night with any of the division matchups. Um, they go to the 49ers. That's one I would keep an eye on. They go to the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe that one. Home is like where your marquee matchups are. The Chiefs, the Steelers, even the Seahawks uh-huh. and the Rams. But uh-huh. I, I think maybe that decreases the likelihood that they'll get a Sunday night game because I don't think they'll get a home Sunday night game. I guess is my guess. So I'll say I'll say I'll say two is, both on the road. Well, like a Thursday at home, I, maybe a Sunday or Monday on the road. I'm going two, and I'm, I'm going to go specific. I'm saying the Bills. Oh, here we go. Bills will host the Chiefs on Sunday night football at some point in the season. Whew. And then also a road that. game. I think I agree with that. Um, um, we have... Uh... This is WGR Sports Radio 550 Breaking News. Powered by Radio.com Sports. The Bills, according to Ian Rappaport, are signing Seahawks starting defensive end Quinton Jefferson to a two-year deal. All right. Anybody got anything to offer on Quinton Jefferson? Is this this pass rusher that you were mentioning that you wanted, uh, Nate? Quinton Jefferson? Nope. All I got for you on him is he started 12 games last year, 12 games the year before, three and a half, or a total of uh, seven and a half sacks. That's not Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, sorry, not a defensive end. Defensive tackle. No. Yeah, starting defensive defensive tackle tackle Ah! for uh, for the Seahawks. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, this I is actually maybe, like that then. This is maybe That's... the replacement for DJ Reader, who they reportedly had interest in, that signed get. a yes. massive deal in Cincinnati. So there's that. All right, Nate, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Stay safe. Wait, can Nate, I, are, are you going to at least let me tell you? Yeah. On a... yeah, dude, what the hell? You were just going to rip me off without, without telling me? Because I had the hot take here. Like, what this, was your hot I'd take? been waiting. You guys were talking just... over me. Oh, did you I not said... give it? Okay. No, four. I'm saying they're going to get four. Come on. They're not getting four. Four? Yes. Four. Are you counting yes. like flexed four. games or are you talking when the schedule comes out? Nope. I'm talking when the schedule comes out. They're going to have four. Hey, they're going to have a Thursday night, a Sunday night, and two Monday nights. All right. I'll, let's, do you want to put it on the board then? What, what do you want to do here? Do you yeah. want to do over, under three? How about, how about we put three and a half? Three and a half. Okay. I'll take the under. I'll take the over. <laughs> I'm taking the under. Are right, you on? Yeah. You're, you're 20 gonna, bucks? Well, we'll figure that out. Uh, we'll figure that off the air. We'll figure that okay. out. Okay. All right. Can you at least give a, a team? You said four. Yeah. Who do you? Where? Who are, where your four are these opponents? four games? So here? you're thinking they're going to get like two home, Kansas City and Pittsburgh, maybe, and then maybe away Tennessee. That game I didn't look at. Maybe that's a possibility. That's the one. That, that's the one that I was thinking of most of. There's the Tennessee game. They are also in play technically to be the Mexico City game against Arizona. Like that's not that I probably probably don't get that game. But Arizona is a, a sneaky one, one to me too. Listen, Arizona, Arizona is a super sneaky one. DeAndre Hopkins now they're they're hot. Yes, I, first I like Diggs, Diggs, Hopkins, yeah. uh, Murray, Allen. Come on, that's that is a hot matchup. That's a sexy <laughs> matchup. <laughs> I like it. Monday night. All right, Nate. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas. There he yep. is. Nate Geary on the West Her Hotline. We are late to a break. And as you just, if you missed it there, the Bills are signing defensive tackle Quinton Jefferson of the Seattle Seahawks. Started a lot of games for the past two years. In fact, Pro Football Focus says that he was their 18th ranked interior defender in 2019. Wow. 
So I this, mean, take it for what it's yeah. worth, but this guy might be starting caliber behind right next to Ed Oliver. Seems like he's more of like a run stuffer as opposed to that that uh, get in the backfield type of interior guy like Ed Oliver and Harrison Phillips. All right. We uh, roll along. We'll get to our interview day, of our day when we come back. If you want to chime in, 8030550 is the number. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. You can follow me on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Follow Brendan at Brendan Keeney. Let's get to our interview of the day now. Former WGR morning show producer and analytics nerd, Matthew Collar from Score North in Minnesota. Talking Stefan Diggs with Howard and Jeremy here. Matt is with the guys. You know, it's funny. One of the things I like to do with regard to a trade, we'll bring Matthew in here, is say, how, how are Vikings fans handling this? And one of my favorite people and Vikings fans, Drew McGarry, has uh, tweeted a four-letter expletive, and I can only imagine it's about this trade. <laughs> so, Matthew, how excited should Bills fans be about Stefan Diggs, who I believe no more than six, no, about a month ago, you told us they would be nuts to trade him. And here we are a month later, they traded him. Um, can your quarterback throw him the ball is my only question. <laughs> yes. Because here, here's my thing with this and why Vikings fans should be really upset is, do you know how hard it is to get a top 15 receiver in the NFL? I mean, do you know how hard it is to get one of the top three to five route runners in the NFL? Do you know how hard it is to get a guy that NFL people have compared to, to me, Antonio Brown, in terms of his route running and his ability to make catches? you know how hard it is to get one of the top competitors who smokes people in training camp to the point where cornerbacks get so upset with him they get thrown out of practice because he's destroying them so much? I mean, he is purely one of the best players in the entire NFL, and he would have numbers that were twice as good as what they are. They would look like DeAndre Hopkins' numbers if Adam Thielen wasn't on the team, and Adam Thielen's really good too. But go back and look at the games where Adam Thielen didn't play this year when he got hurt, and Stephon Diggs set Viking receiving records, which is hard to do when they used to have Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Jake Reed. So, I mean, you got one of the best players in the NFL, not just a very good receiver, not just okay, not a guy who's washed up like T.O. was. He is the best Buffalo Bills receiver since Andre Reid and honestly has a lot of similarities to Andre Reid because he's competitive and he's tough and he can run every route and he will go up and make catches over people that absolutely wow you. He is a great player and he's a great competitor. And I had a former teammate of his the other day tell me he was one of his favorite teammates that he ever played with uh, because he played with this uh, incredible fire. Now, there will be times where he might yell at somebody on the sidelines, so everybody just prepare yourself for that. Uh, his tweets won't make any sense, um, <laughs> you know, but I, 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 I always enjoyed covering Stephon Diggs, and I was always just wowed by his ability, um, and I think he's in Buffalo because he was upset with the direction of the Vikings, not because he has anything wrong with him as a player. And the direction of the Vikings, you know, the, the the stat that wowed me was that he only had 94 targets last year. I mean, John Brown, the Bills think, people think the Bills are a run-heavy offense, and they, they contend to be. John Brown had 115 targets. Stephon Diggs had 94. 
Yeah, and and really this whole thing with the Vikings and Stephon Diggs and and the tension between them goes back to about the middle of 2018. There was a game against the Jets where the Vikings won handily, and after the game, Mike Zimmer went on a tirade, ripping his offensive coordinator for not running the football enough. And then Zimmer did everything under his power to make sure they ran the football more after that, uh, including firing that offensive coordinator and then – bringing in Gary Kubiak, who is a great, all-time great offensive mind, but with the edict to make sure that they were handing the ball off to Delvin Cook more, and they were one of the most run-heavy teams in the entire NFL last year. I mean, and as much as I respect Gary Kubiak, you're still trying to use an offense from 1998 in some ways uh, with him. And, and when you have Stephon Diggs and you paid a quarterback $30 million, I think that that was a great frustration. And then if there was a a real true tipping point, I guess there were two of them. In week four, he did something that he definitely should not. They played in Chicago and were just awful as an offense. And then to show his frustration, he didn't show up to practice the next day, which is unacceptable, and they fined him $200,000. And if he does something like that there, I'm sure Sean McDermott will find it just as unacceptable as – uh, the Vikings organization did. So I doubt he would do that again because he was fined as much as a, a nice house in Buffalo. Um, so uh, he did that that really kind of put it on our radar, but it had been bubbling under the surface before that. So then they don't suspend him or anything like that. He comes back, they start throwing to him more, and he demolishes the competition. Kirk Cousins has the best month of his entire career throwing to Stephon Diggs more. And, uh, you know, it seemed like things had calmed down, but At the end of the game in San Francisco, I believe he was the last person to walk off the field. And I went back and watched the tape, and he annihilated Richard Sherman in that game. And Kirk Cousins couldn't get him the ball. And and I think that he looked at that like that was their last shot. Because if you look at the Vikings salary cap situation, you look at them dumping players, you you look at them stacking draft picks, it looks like they're going to have to rebuild things. And when they – just signed Cousins to a contract extension that's really expensive, and they have to rebuild things. I mean, those, those two things don't usually add up. So, you know, Diggs is a great competitor, and I think he wants to be somewhere where he's got a, a good chance to win. And I'm not sure that that's Minnesota going forward for at least next year. Matthew Collar with us uh, from uh, Score North, AM 1500 in Minnesota. Matthew, I was reading some of the articles you've written about Diggs over time, and I thought one of the things you made, one of the points I found interesting was how he was used in so many different ways. And you recapped in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, where he was used in, you know, the slot, outside, the kind of routes he was running, and it seems like his role was constantly changing, but he handled everything they threw at him. Well, that, and that's the thing is that when you say someone's a great route runner, it's kind of a broad term because you might be a great route runner at one particular route or just on the outside or just out of the slot. I mean, for example, Adam Thielen, they put him in the slot a lot, and, and he's a good route runner too, but he has two-way releases. He can go to his left, he can go to his right. He's got usually space between him and a defender. There's often zones where with digs, when they would put him outside, it was often against the shutdown corner. So if he's playing Patrick Peterson, that's who's against him. I, I think uh, Trey White played against Stephon Diggs when the Bills mm-hmm. played Buffalo. And um, you saw one of the games where he found ways to get open and Kirk Cousins couldn't get him the ball if you go back and watch the tape of that game. But anyway, um, so, yeah, 
he was moved all over the place because they were constantly changing offensive coordinators. He comes into the league, and they've got Norv Turner. Then they fire Norv Turner. So then it's Pat Shermer, and he's uh, he's going to, to the inside, and, and he plays as a slot receiver for a year and dominates that. Then he goes back to the outside so they can move Thielen inside. He dominates that, and, and he can handle any route. And, and there are very few receivers. I'm sure if I said that to Steve Tasker, he would look at me sideways like, are you sure – uh, you just said he can handle any route, but honestly, he can. He's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. He had more deep yards than anyone in the NFL last year. And the year before, he was catching all quick stuff, like you know slants and, and screens and things like that, and then making plays after the catch. So, I, I mean, there are very few people who have mastered their craft as much as this guy. And I, and I don't think you go from being a fifth-round pick uh, to a superstar in the NFL, which is what I, I consider him, and I think his numbers are even going to show that this year with Buffalo, um, w- without having uh, that ability, that true technician-type approach that he does. And other receivers in the NFL watch tape of Stephon Diggs to study how he gets open with his routes. All right. The um, <laughs> uh, You know, the deep throw, Matthew. This is all good news. <laughs> yeah, right? The deep throw, Matthew, of course, is, was, was a problem for Josh Allen this season. And I'm wondering, when it, when it came to Kirk Cousins, you've talked about some of the numbers and success with deep routes. Did he? Is it possible that a receiver can make a quarterback a better deep ball thrower or more successful deep ball thrower? Did he do that with Cousins? Uh, Cousins has always been good at throwing the deep ball. That's his best thing. And that, and that is what Gary Kubiak came in here and decided that they needed to do, was find a way to – you know, use bootlegs and play action and get him a little more space to throw down the field because that's Kirk Cousins' best asset. So when you go back and look in Washington in 2016, he had Deshaun Jackson, who was one of the best deep threats in the NFL, and Cousins was really successful throwing to him. But the thing with Diggs is that if Josh Allen is struggling to throw the deep ball still, uh, which I don't know how much better you get at that, but if that's mm-hmm. one of his issues, then they'll use Diggs in different ways. They'll use him on more underneath stuff. They'll use him on, I know this sounds funny, but like a 15-yard dig route because <laughs> um, he's incredible at that. Yep. Uh, re- I mean, really, there's no limitations, and that's what makes him so good. And if you look at the quarterbacks and the numbers they've put up, so you go 2016, the Vikings have to trade for Sam Bradford, and then he has a career year. They have uh, Case Keenum take over for Bradford when he gets hurt. He has by far a career year. Kirk Cousins comes in here last year, career year. I mean, I don't really think that it's a coincidence that everybody who plays with this guy turns into gold. So, I mean, can he make a quarterback better? He took uh, Case Keenum to the NFC Championship game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he makes anybody better. Um, you know, when a, a guy has no limitations as an offensive coordinator, I'm sure your offensive coordinator hit the roof when he saw that you traded for Stephon Diggs because, you know, a first-round pick is nice. 22nd overall. Vikings fans are like, oh, a decent haul for this. But you think about this. In 2015, there were five first-round pick wide receivers, and none of them became Stephon Diggs. The closest is Amari Cooper, who is very, very good and you know probably on par with Diggs. But he has more catches than all of those guys. Hey, so, Matt. I'm sorry. Know, I mean, yeah, great player. Hey, Matthew, um, the contract, I wanted to definitely ask you about this. And so there's four years. I mean, part of the deal that you look at and go, wow, this is great. They're getting a great player. They're getting the number one receiver. Oh, my goodness, he's got four years of term. His cap number is 12, which is really low based on his production. Had there been talk uh, that 
part of his frustrations with the organization was contractual? Was there, was there any talk about he's not happy with his deal, he's going to want to renegotiate, get some more money, stuff like that? There really wasn't. Um, so a lot, I guess a lot of us looked at it as they have him under a favorable deal, but he's also a wealthy man, and there's no reason to cut him at any point. Now, would it surprise me, based on who his agent is, if – they used this to their advantage to try and get a new deal that was more reflective of some of the best receivers in the NFL probably would not surprise me. Um, it, it wouldn't be shocking, especially maybe even if they waited a year and he came there and he got 100 catches or something like that, if they said, okay, he's your megastar now, you need a new deal. Um, but that was really not most of the conversation about him. It was really – He's frustrated, and the Vikings turned down offer after offer after offer. But I think that uh, when the Bills came in with all those draft picks, that was kind of where they had set the bar that it needed to be. And also, the Vikings are just in a desperate spot to build up assets to at least be good at some point during the Kirk Cousins era here uh, past this. Because the way we look at it in Minnesota is pretty much that they had their shot. They reached the NFC Championship game two years ago. They went all in on Kirk Cousins to be a Super Bowl contender. It didn't happen, and they basically missed their window to win, and now they have to rebuild the thing. Matthew Collar on with Howard and Jeremy earlier this morning. We will take a timeout now. Last call in the nightcap right after this. You want to get your calls in. Josh Allen, pressure in 2020. Let me know what you think. 803-0550 is the number. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. All right, a quick in and out here on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase on WGR. The Bills not done adding on the defensive line. Just in from Ian Rappaport. Former Panthers first-round defensive tackle Vernon Butler headed to the Bills. Two years, roughly $16 million on the deal that can be worth up to $18 million. So that's $9.3 million guaranteed. That is, by the way, another Panther connection. Holy cow. Um, but that's another starting caliber defensive tackle on the Bills. And I'm starting to wonder what that means. I know they just restructured Star Latule, but... You got a guy in Vernon Butler who started nine games last year. You have a guy in Quentin Jefferson that started 12 games last year. You have Ed Oliver. You have Harrison Phillips. Do I really need a guy that is as one-dimensional as Star Latule? I know they restructured his deal, but he's probably here. He's probably here. Butler, I mean, I don't think they were going to start him. He is another good depth piece, though. Guy who started last year. He had only He had not started a game, though, before last year. Former first-round pick. That's pretty incredible. Three years in the league. His first three years in the league. A uh, total of 38 games, no starts. So uh, there's that. Another move on the defensive line for the Bills as they continue to bolster that as they uh, they did lose uh, Jordan Phillips. So all the former Panthers to the Bills. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to tonight's show. I will be back with you tomorrow. And, um, yeah, have a good night. Hopefully we get some more news for the Bills. Like to see the, I'd like to see them add like a depth running back. No Melvin Gordon. Please, no Melvin Gordon. Just please, no Melvin Gordon. Please. Anyways, that'll do it for me. NASCAR Live on the way next. Race fans, stay tuned. This is WGR.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.